Hello there and welcome into another edition of The Intersection with conversation highlights from the Meeting House on Faith Radio about a variety of topics, including news, information, and lifestyles approached from a Christian worldview perspective. Well, first up, it's Karen Kingsbury. She has orchestrated the multiple novels tracing the adventures of the endearing fictional Christian family, The Baxters, and she is continuing to educate, inspire, and entertain through stories of faith, even through hardship. She is back with a prequel, and you'll hear her comments ahead. Then it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville, where I had the opportunity to chat with Linda Evans Shepherd. She is known for her devotion to prayer, and in an NRB conversation, she highlighted some of the prayers about which she has written throughout the years and offered insight on experiencing the power of prayer. You'll be hearing from that conversation aired on the Meeting House on the National Day of Prayer. And on this edition of The Intersection from the NRB Convention in Nashville, you'll be hearing from James Kelly of Faith Tech, which is a consortium of those who work for technological companies who are seeking ways to use their skills for God's glory. Finally, on this edition of The Intersection podcast, you'll meet Jeannie Nigro. She is concerned about the direction of our nation and provides insight and inspiration for Christians to develop a biblical worldview perspective and respond to issues they will encounter without buying into the misinformation that the world brings. This is the intersection of production of The Meeting House, and I'm Bob Crittenden. Karen Kingsbury continues to bring life-giving stories to readers through books about a variety of topics, including her signature novels featuring the Baxter family. She has just released The Baxters, a prequel, in which she goes back to the origins and provides a backstory that can help develop a greater appreciation about the family that has become part of the lives of thousands, perhaps millions. Here now from a recent Meeting House conversation is Karen Kingsbury. Gary Smalley, yeah, he was one of my, okay, back in the day, I was, I think I was, I was maybe on book three, I, you know, have 60 or 70 novels now, but early on, and I had like no readers, <laughs> Gary Smalley was one of my 12 readers. All he right. was like, he somehow, I didn't know him, but he found the books and he would be like reading them on planes and they would be traveling and speaking and his sons would be with them and they'd be like, dad, like you're crying. What are you doing? You can't be crying. He's like, I love these books. So he contacted, you know, his people contacted my people. We got connected. He invited my husband and myself and our kids to visit him on Table Rock Lake out there in Branson, Missouri. And we went boating with him, with his wife, Norma. And he said, look, I love your books. He said, my prayer is that one day your books are so much bigger than mine. People don't even remember me, but that they know your stories. That, that's just the sweetest thing for him to have prayed and to have said. And he said, I want you to go home and I want you to think about a series that could illustrate some of my teachings on relationships. So he said, like, for instance, love is a decision. So I, I went home and on that flight with just the words, love is a decision in my heart. God gave me the Baxters, the, like the names and story ideas and five books. I could see it. And uh, the titles, you know, redemption, remember, return, reunion. I could see all of it. And I got, I land, we landed and I told my husband, I said, it's like we were on holy ground at 30,000 feet because mm. God just downloaded this to me. So Gary did a little piece at the end of each of those books, like a word from Gary. So I wrote the novel and he wrote the word from Gary, but I, no one knew who I was. So he was very kind to lend his name to that. And we kind of just, you know, made those first five books where it was a, a 
sort of an example of how his relationship teachings went. And then from there, he said, look, this is your thing. He goes, you're doing great. <laughs> you don't need me on it. So. Well, you know, since since redemption deals with the unraveling of Carrie's marriage and her decision that even though her, her husband's had this affair, she, you know, she's not been abused or anything. She's going to choose to say love is a decision. She mm-hmm. wants to say she has family members who say, look, you have a biblical ad. He was unfaithful. You can go. She says, that's not how I read it. That isn't what makes people, that's not the beauty of marriage. I'm staying. So it becomes this beautiful story of redemption, but, you know, same time, there's consequences for, for, you know, a decision like that to have an affair. And there was a stalker who was pursuing the girl that he was having an affair with. And, you know, Tim, Tim gets killed in in the process. So, um, yeah, it's here we are three years earlier and we are seeing, you know, Ryan as somebody who was in a, in a big miscommunication was, you know, removed from Carrie's life. They, she didn't think that he was being faithful to her and yet he really was. So they don't have a relationship anymore. Um, people who know the Baxters know that Carrie will come back together with Ryan eventually, but he does show up on this wedding day. So here we are. It's like, what did it feel like that day when you married Tim? Did you have any warnings that this guy might not be the right one? And did you, you know, the storm, the tornadoes coming, was that, (laughs) was that a sign? Um, but, but it's, you know, it's one of those where you see John and Elizabeth's parents coming behind Carrie and saying, we will love who you love. We will love this, this, this man, because this is the one that, you know, you believe God has chosen for you. And even though everyone has sort of a little bit of a doubt, and they've talked that through, and it looks like this is really the right choice. But on this day, there's so many flashbacks that are happening between Ashley and Landon, and between Carrie and Ryan, and with Tim. So it's just a lot going on. And it's a beautiful intro. So now we have a new book one, the Baxters, a prequel is really the best place to start to kind of uh, get familiar with the Baxters. I don't want people to think that, well, the Baxters are just a melancholy family that bad things are happening to all the time. <laughs> there are there are some happy endings along the way, aren't there? So many happy endings, actually. <laughs> you know, just like I feel like I felt like the moments of rejoicing with the Baxters. In fact, that's the name of one of the books in the first five is Rejoice. And and just the the idea that we have each other, we can come back together to the table and we can start again and we can enjoy laughter. I, I think the five, you know, the, well, the four lessons anyway that I've learned from the Baxters as I've written about them. God gives me these stories like movies, really, in my heart. And then I get to be the first reader. That's how I feel. It's, it's really all him. That is to love well and to laugh often to look for the miraculous, you know, we are tempted to just get caught up in the, the deadlines and decisions, but God wants us to treat every day like a miracle and to look for those, to look for those miraculous moments and to live for Jesus. And, and as we do that, and it's a process, but as we do that, we find beautiful joy, incredible redemption, and, and the gift of grace. Karen Kingsbury here on The Intersection. You can find out more by going to Karen Kingsbury, K-I-N-G-S-B-U-R-Y, Well, it's back to Faith Radio Meeting House Media Central at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Linda Evans-Shepard is known for her devotion to prayer, and in an NRB conversation, she highlighted some of the prayers about which she has written throughout the years and offered insight on experiencing the power of prayer. She has written a book entitled Prayers for Every Need, Here now from that conversation is Linda Evans-Shepard. There's so many different secrets that that I have discerned as we have been 
in the prayer room and and been on our knees but we talk about you know personal transformation restoration protection and provision miracles you know my daughter remained disabled but she came back with the miracle of love and peace in our home and it was so profound and beautiful and it filled my home with so much love and sometimes we discount the miracle we have and so I, but then again the lord restored her brain so she might not have been able to walk but she was there and present mm-hmm. with us and so we have to just relinquish learn to relinquish blessings church i think we need to learn how to pray for our church because prayerlessness is almost a crime against the church wow. if we're not praying for our church how do we expect the church to grow how do we expect the spirit to rest on our church and then learning how to invite the presence of the spirit into your life people think that that's extreme certainly not every denomination every church should have the opportunity to have the spirit rest that's how we get empowered Mm. that's how we get faith and hope and love and joy those are fruits of the spirit and we cannot practice a form of godliness and deny its power we can't say god doesn't perform miracles i've seen too many miracles to ever deny the power of god but you know it's really about here's the secret it's about inviting the presence of the lord into your circumstances into your heart into your life and then just learning to flow with his love and learning that yes he does love us Mm. amen Linda Evans-Shepard joining us today here at the Meeting House on Faith Radio. It's the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. So this is a book called Prayers for Every Need. So how would you intend that people that pick up a copy of this, what did you call it, a, a, a pocket? A pocket uh, treasury a, of prayers. Or all right, purse poc- treasury. A purse, purse treasury. Purse slash pocket <laughs> treasury of prayers. So a pocket-sized yeah. yeah, book little, that people can take book. with them. Mm-hmm. Is, is it something that you would intend for people to actually pray word for word, or can it kind of be a prayer prompt to get people well, talking sure. to God about a, a particular subject and then allowing the Spirit to, <laughs> to take it from there? Well, Sounds like maybe it's a both and you, rather than either could. or. And, and I'll tell you the experience of one of my readers. She called me up and she said, you know, what I'm finding is my husband and I get together in the morning and we like to pray together in the morning. And we've been using your book and we pick a topic and we find the topic because it's, it's topical. We find the topic. We turn to the page and we pray it. And she said this. She said, Linda, there is the presence of the Holy Spirit on your prayers. They mm. are anointed. And my husband and I, we weep before the Lord. We feel that sweet peace when we pray these prayers. But not only are they praying the prayer, they're learning the language of prayer. Mm. And so they can go back and they can continue another day, not to pray my exact words, but they've, they've got the idea of the kind of prayer that communicates with God. Mm. Well, as we close, there are a number of topics as you were sharing some of those. I know that something especially relevant here over the last couple of years, you've had families that have experienced loss. Of course, that's something that you've experienced in your own life. There's actually a prayer about finding strength in loss, and there are prayers that are intended to help hurting people. So comment on that aspect of this collection. Right. 
you know, I think people forget that they are loved by God and mm. they look at their circumstances and say, see, I knew he didn't love me. Mm. And so what these prayers do is they help you heal from the trauma of your loss. We pray um, to ask the Lord to remove that trauma, to remove that grief, and to help you just draw nearer to the Lord so you can experience his love. She is the CEO of Right to the Heart Ministries, Linda Evans Shepherd, here on the Intersection Podcast. You can learn more by going to gottopray.com. Well, this is the Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can find out more through meetinghouseonline.info or by visiting the programming section at faithradio.org and clicking on the Meeting House link. Through the Meeting House homepage, you'll find a link to the Media Center. That's where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured on the Intersection Podcast and the Meeting House program. You can find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. You can also find links to video content, including a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel, where you can see excerpts of conversations from the recent National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three, with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room, with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House, And you can follow me on Twitter and access the Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org. Conversations from the Meeting House can also be found through the Faith Radio app and the Faith Radio podcast feed at a number of podcast platforms, including Amazon Music, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and others. Someone else with whom I spoke at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville recently was James Kelly. He is the founder of Faith Tech, a consortium of Christians who work in the technological field. He talked about the concept of the organization and how God has been using people working in that field to impact people for Christ. Here now from that NRB conversation is James Kelly. I would say that all around the world, in our cities and globally, there are men and women that love Jesus, working in tech, Google, Facebook, startup worlds. And they're going, Mm. you know what? I go to church and I'm really thankful that I can help. But my, my pastor goes, I want, I want you to run PowerPoint. I want you to, I want you to set up chairs and our community will go, we'll gladly do that. But is there a way that we could leverage the unique I call it superpowers of the modern world, building technology that's affecting everybody. Is there a way that we could leverage that talent, that skill, that mind, that knowledge to advance the kingdom of God? And so our mission is to find every Christian working in tech in the world, connect them into local community, and then help them leverage, utilize this unique talent for the gospel. And so we're working on projects that I mean are doing helping save lives, helping people meet Jesus for the first time. There's some unbelievable stories that this uh, global tech community for Christ are, are doing right now. Well, tell me just a bit about your own background and how you launched Faith Tech in the first place. It was very unusual and unexpected. <laughs> uh, I, had, uh, I was at a conference about six years ago, and this guy gets up and he says this phrase, which is a very powerful phrase. He says, in the midst of devastation... There's an opportunity for innovation. 
Now, for me, my wife and I helped plant a church about 10 years ago in a neighborhood that in my city everyone was trying to get out of. So kind of a tough, rough neighborhood. Mm. And I was seeing all this devastation. I thought, well, what's the opportunity for innovation there? So I went and asked the most innovative friends I have, which a lot of them are in tech. I said, well, what do you guys think of this? And a whole new problem emerged where they said, I feel isolated and alone being the only believer in my tech company. I feel underutilized with the skills God's given me. Simultaneously, I met all of these ministries, churches going, technology's changing everything. It's changing how we communicate. It's changing how we think. How do we innovate with technology? And I'm going, hey, those two groups should really talk to each other. Yeah, They sure. should spend some time together. Yeah. And so five years ago, we got a group of 35 people in the back of a coffee shop, and it was electrifying because suddenly all these amazing problems were put on the table, and you had these brilliant problem solvers thinking with technology going, how do we now work together to solve some of these problems? And that's really how it got started. Fast forward five years, it's still kind of that thing, but it's just now happening all around the world. James Kelly joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. He is the founder of Faith Tech, joining me here at the 2022 National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. So you have these tech innovators, people Mm -hmm. that work in the tech sector who are believers, and they're looking for opportunities to take this giftedness and these tools that they have knowledge about to use them to influence. So for them and as a result of these these forums i don't want to say focus groups but these these various brainstorming sessions that you have what what types of ideas have you seen some unbelievable stuff so a few years ago we ran a hackathon which is a a retreat for geeks for jesus okay very good (laughs) where we say in one short amount of time you take a problem and you actually build a solution in say one weekend okay it's unbelievable In Vancouver a couple years ago, this is an example, a lady shows up and she goes, my ministry is in the heart of Vancouver, Canada, where I'm helping women get out of sex trafficking. She says, but here's what happens. I get one woman out and another woman goes right back in because the demand isn't changing. She Mm. goes, I don't know what you hackers can do, but could you help? She said, well, I said, well, where are these, where are these guys finding the sex to connect with and finding women? And she said, they Google search it. Ah. So you know what happened? Four guys buy the domain howtobuysex.com and redeem it for Jesus. So guys will search, how do I buy sex? They click on the website and they're getting help to get out of sex addiction, getting help talking to somebody. And that group now is seeing all of these men get healing instead of finding what would become a very harmful situation. And so that's one example of many websites, applications, platforms that this tech community is building. James Kelly of Faith Tech at the National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. You can find out more through faithtech.com. Well, recently for the Meeting House program, I had the opportunity to chat with Jeannie Nigro. She is the founder of Jeannie Nigro Ministries and the author of the book, The Lies We Believe About Faith and Politics, The Way Forward. In our conversation, she shared about how Christians can adopt a biblical perspective on cultural engagement, including involvement in the political realm. 
Here now from that conversation is Jeannie Nigro. I have to say that uh, it sometimes can bring out the worst in people. Uh, I felt that way even myself. But that's true of any circumstance. We have to be aware of what we're allowing um, to motivate us, you know, and what we do, whether it's uh, to release God's purposes or whether it's to advance our own plan. But the, the um, politics is not evil. What we have to recognize, and other people are not the evil ones or the other side or the other party. We have to recognize, as I said, that it's a spiritual battle. Really, it's Satan himself, the enemy, and uh, his demons really working through these, um, you know, politicians or or legislators or whatever it is, you know, to really try to advance his agenda of death and of bondage and of um, uh, uh, this lack of freedom, just all the things that the enemy wants to do in this world. And we have to recognize that, um, you know, God is a God of life, of freedom, of truth, and our constitution is built on biblical principles. And so we, <laughs> it's not really, like I said, a political battle, it's a spiritual battle. So we, if we are um, aligning with Jesus, aligning with the word, then we are um, engaging and standing against evil and advancing righteousness and truth and freedom in this, in this country. Jeannie Nigro joining us today here on The Meeting House on Faith Radio. She has written the book, The Lies We Believe About Faith and Politics, The Way Forward. Well, Jeannie, let's talk just a bit about some of these specific lies, in fact, in the book, you go through quite a bit of them and obviously providing some analysis <laughs> from a biblical worldview perspective. So what would you say are some of the most prevalent things that we believe maybe misconceptions about the relationship of faith to politics? Yeah, I think it... it um there's a few aspects of that that I address in the book. And I had a challenge of, you know, not including too many lies. There were so many <laughs> to include, but um, one is, is when you look at, um, I would say, um, you know, policies or legislation or even messaging that's out there. I think that the church uh, believers can be deceived oftentimes by um, this messaging that comes with oftentimes with liberal policies and messaging that, um, that these policies are fair and caring, you know, they're, they're loving, they're more fair and caring, and therefore um, Jesus is behind them or, or therefore they're more biblical. And I think that's the biggest lie really when I hear about, um, you know, what's being taught from, um, from pastors or teachers and, and um, when it's deceiving people, I think to really um, follow, um, for example, more of a socialist kind of a mentality. Well, you know, didn't everyone in the Bible um, have to give up, you know, sell what they owned? And, you know, and, and they really take one verse and will really distort it. And I think you have to step back from that and think, wait, what's the core element, for example, in, in, um, in socialism? And how does that line up with the core, the, con the overall themes of the Bible, what we know about God? And, you know, like I said before, God is a God of, um, he, you know, values, he protects, he advances life, he He's given each one, he's made each one of us in his own image. So we have individuality, we have um, individual purpose in life. We have a, uh, a purpose to fulfill, a potential to fulfill. The Bible talks about private ownership of property, about being productive, of the importance of working. So there's all these themes in the Bible and all these things that we know about God that do not align at all with a socialist um, system, you know, that really um, goes against and tries to erase individuality that tries to erase private property, you know, tries to erase free will. You know, we, always, we have a free will whether to 
believe and accept Jesus or not. You know, he, God's always given us free will, and a socialist system takes away choice. It takes away free will. It's um, it does, it's really all about um, leaders become the leaders being more uh, tyrannical leaders of getting all the money of no one having money, and that's not a biblical system of government at all. A biblical system of government is in place to uh, protect the innocent and to punish the evil, not the opposite. And I think what we see even now in our cities, and we were talking about New York earlier, is a great example of um, of government protecting the. The, the guilty and, and actually punishing the innocent. So I think we really need to kind of step back on all these policies, whether they are about homelessness or open borders or welfare, you know, whatever these policies are, I think we need to really be careful with this message, fair and caring message and take a step back and think, well, who is this really fair and caring to? And oftentimes with the liberal policies, who it's the most fair and caring to is building a big government and taking away freedom from the people. Jeannie Nigro here on The Intersection. Her website address is Jeannie, J-E-A-N-N-E, Nigro, N-I-G-R-O, dot com. We are nearing the end of this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast, a weekly production of The Meeting House. You can learn more through meetinghouseonline.info or by going to the programming section at faithradio.org. You'll find a link to the Media Center where you can go to listen to or download full conversations with recent guests featured here on the podcast. You can also find links to the podcast, to the Media Center, as well as the Apple Podcast feed. You can also find links to video content, including a link to the Faith Radio YouTube channel, where you can find excerpts from the recent National Religious Broadcasters Convention in Nashville. Two blogs are accessible. One is The Three with three stories of relevance to the Christian community, and the other is The Front Room with devotional thoughts and commentary from The Meeting House. And you can follow me on Twitter and access The Meeting House Facebook page. Again, that website address is meetinghouseonline.info, or you can go to the programming section at faithradio.org and click on The Meeting House link. Thanks for joining me for this week's edition of The Intersection Podcast. I'm Bob Crittenden.